Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, we have a tremendous guest for you with a vast, vast set of experiences and knowledge when it comes to running a business, owning a business, being an entrepreneur. We have with us here today, Jim Cummings. He is the owner of Inside Track Coaching. Uh, Jim has has parlayed all of his a great, great experience that he's going to share with us here on the show today uh, into a coaching business, building upon uh, his years as well as uh, as a professor of business and entrepreneurship. So if you're a business owner out there, you've got a side hustle, you're an entrepreneur, this is definitely not an episode you're going to want to miss. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, we have a tremendous guest here with us with an extensive, extensive background in business, in entrepreneurship, uh, in building a business, selling a business, investing in a business. If you're a business owner out there, this is definitely... Uh, an interview you don't want to miss. Joining me today on the show, we have Jim Cummings. Jim is the owner of Inside Track Business Coaching. Jim, welcome to the show. Paul, thanks for having me. Jim, we uh, we definitely appreciate uh, having you join us here today and 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 sharing as we'll share you know in this interview some of your wisdom with us. Uh, as we like to do on the show, though, we always sort of try to go back to everyone's, all of our guests' roots. Where where does your journey, the journey of Jim Cummings, begin? Oh, man. <clears throat> First of all, Paul, I, I want to thank you for having me on your show. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because I'm usually the one asking the questions. So this, <laughs> <laughs> this is all new for me. I'm yeah, the not... shoe's on the other foot now. <laughs> yeah, it really is, yeah. I'm uh, I'm I'm not, and the other thing is I'm I'm not used to talking about myself. So yeah, yeah, uh, this this is going to be very interesting. So, uh, <laughs> so what was your question? Where where did it so all where yeah where does your journey start, Jim? Where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you born? I was born and raised right here in the great capital city of Canada, Ottawa, Ontario. Nice. Yeah, I'm one nice. of the people who I I didn't stay in Ottawa, but I came back to Ottawa. If that makes sense. Yes. Yes. Um, yes, not often that happens, especially people that will move away, as we'll get to in, in your story here, Yeah, uh, yeah. to larger so, cities as well. Yeah, I went to school here, and I I, uh, I actually graduated from Carleton University, and yeah. I ended up spending some time in Toronto. I moved to Toronto uh, for work, actually, and then uh, I had met my wife, my future wife, at Carleton. Okay. One of the best things that came out of university, by the way, was... <laughs> <laughs> and uh 
and I ended up coming back kind of uh, ironically. I did not want to. I, I wanted to get away from Ottawa. I couldn't get out of here fast enough. <laughs> day, you, you mean was, the city wasn't fun or what, Jim? Oh, exactly. I mean, you know, you're, you're younger than I am, Paul, but it, <laughs> back, you know, in the 70s, Ottawa was not the most exciting. It didn't yeah. have the most exciting nightlife. And yeah. interestingly, that's changed now. I mean, Ottawa is a much more fun place to be. And I think yeah. a lot of that has to do with the high tech influence. Okay. Yeah. Years. Good point. Yeah. Good point. So, so in high school, Jim, like, like, and growing up, how, like, how did, how would you describe yourself? What was, what was oh, Jim Cummings oh. like in high school? Oh, Paul, this is, this is terrible. <laughs> First of all, it was four and a half thousand years ago. And that, you know, that was some other guy. I don't even know who he was. <laughs> I was not the greatest student. Let's put it that way. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, fair enough. Me and the educational system did not get along that well. Okay. Um, I I don't follow rules very well. Okay. And, okay. You know, so, I mean, I'm a reasonably intelligent person, but I just didn't like, and I don't have great, like, I have trouble with authority too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And so okay. uh, I didn't, I didn't fit in very well. So I was a solid C student uh, okay. all the way through high school. And it wasn't until I got to university and one of my professors said to me, one of the best things I, I learned, he said, you know, Jim, the A students, yeah, end up, the A students end up teaching the B students who end yeah. up working for the C students. Oh, that is well said. Oh, I had never heard that before. And I thought, oh, you know, there's hope for me. <laughs> <laughs> so did, did, what were some of your early interests as 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 a teen? It wasn't it wasn't obviously all of the academics that you were interested in, so to speak. Oh, heavens. What? No, I was I mean, other than girls, you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah i hope my wife's not listening um, yeah. uh yeah well what were some of my interests i mean i was i was into music i mean uh you know okay. I, I i played in a few bands and uh i used okay. to I, I was i was an outdoorsy kind of kid you know i i sucked the marrow out of life i i i i sampled from the buffet of life if you will so i had yeah yeah motorcycles and uh, okay. Uh, you know, I got pulled over by the police when I was about 13 years old for, you know, racing down our street without a helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'd rather, you know, now, mind you, we kind of lived in those days, it was sort of out in the country a little bit. So, you know, I was, okay. it wasn't exactly downtown or anything. But, yeah. Yeah. What, what what was it on the musical side uh, that did you play a specific instrument or something that that drew your interest there? Well, it's interesting. I, I yeah. Piano is my main instrument. Um, and oh, I really? Yeah. Yeah. I studied. Oh, outstanding. For many years. And okay. uh, in fact, I've reconnected with a high school friend of mine, Dave, and uh, we've he's been twisting my arm to get together and play uh together he plays drums and uh he he was okay. reminiscing i was over at his place about a week ago and he said you know 
I have such great memories of being in your parents' basement. And he said, you had all these different instruments lying around. And he yeah. said, you know, like I could pick up a bass guitar or a guitar or sit down at your piano or <laughs> anyone could come and go. And there was always people playing different instruments. And so, yeah, it was kind nice. of a smorgasbord of stuff. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Now, did did you do you have any siblings, uh, Jim? Yeah, I do. Actually, I, I have a brother and I have two sisters. They're all older than me. OK. They all still live in Ottawa, interestingly enough. OK. Were they all into music as well? Like, did you guys have a quasi band going or? No, I mean, uh, my siblings are quite a bit older than me. I guess I was the mistake. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> Jim, that's terrible, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely the accident they didn't want to have. Uh, okay, so, so you're playing solo or, or with or with friends type thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, with buddies. Nice. So, so how do you, is there music in the family or? Well, yeah, I mean, my parents always encouraged it. And we had yeah, a piano yeah. in the house when I was growing up and we were okay. playing and uh, my siblings all played music and different instruments and that sort of thing, but never took it that seriously. You know, they just okay. played themselves and uh, nobody, okay. I was the only one that for a stint anyway, could actually call myself a professional musician. Oh, nice. 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 Good for you, man. Good for you. So, so you're, so you're in high school, you're into the music scene, uh, high school ends. Where does Jim go? Well, that's actually a very interesting story because I, <laughs> believe it or not, I did not finish high school. Oh, you I, didn't finish? Well, I, I did, but I did a, I did it at university. I did a Q year, a qualifying Okay. Okay. In those days, if you didn't, if you hadn't achieved grade 13, you had to do a qualifying year. And so okay. what happened was I kind of flamed out of high school. I'd had enough. And my yeah. dad said, well, listen, if you're not going to finish high school, he said, you're not living here. So okay. he gave me a hundred bucks and a bus ticket to Toronto and said, go find yourself. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you did that? And I did that. And uh, wow. so actually, when I think about it, I twice then lived in Toronto and got sucked back to Ottawa because <laughs> after about three or four months in Toronto, I ended up coming and I was I was a bus boy in a, in a restaurant downtown and I worked yeah, yeah. in a clothing shop and I, I did a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I came back and joined a band. And, and wow. Played. Shoddy air in Gatineau, if you can believe that. Oh my gosh! Wow. So, so you go to Toronto. You go on a stint to Toronto. You're at various jobs, and then, then you come back to Ottawa with 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 the musical band. Yeah, and then that led to a more serious band. I played okay. in a band the White Ginger, and they were like a traveling show band. And okay, this is. This is in like 1977. Okay. Okay. Six seventy-seven. Yeah. In there. And so, you know, what kind of music was happening in 1977, Paul? Oh, 77 was you're you you're right into the heart of the Bee Gees then. It's the disco era. <laughs> you got staying alive there. It, we were staying alive, man. <laughs> Six skinny white guys doing. Yeah, you got the bell bottoms, the white oh, suit, yeah. probably. We had the onesies going. It was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Distance. 
That's yeah. crazy. That's traveled crazy. all over Ontario, played in every Holiday Inn in Ontario, just about. Wow. Uh, and uh, I did that for a year. And, okay. And then I, I, uh, my dad said, okay, you've had your fun time to go to university. So I came okay. back uh, and I, I managed to get accepted at Carleton. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that yeah. was interesting because I, I got accepted in a Q year and I, it was yeah. basically pre-engineering. I was going to be an engineer. Wow. Yeah. And sadly I still wasn't mature enough yet and I hadn't got the partying out of my system. And so uh, I, <laughs> at, at the end of the first term, yeah. I, I, I was failing every course I took because I spent my whole time in the bar or in the, the coffee shop in roosters. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, the only, so I, I got called into the uh, whatever they were, the counselor counselor's mm -hmm. office. And uh, she said, okay, I'm looking at your grades here, Jim. Uh, they're not looking so great. Uh, but what's <laughs> this? They see music 96%. What, what's yeah. up? With that? Yeah. I said, yeah. well, I find it pretty easy. And she said, well, <laughs> I got, uh, there's two choices for you. She, she said that your first choice is you can either withdraw from university yeah. Yeah. or you can transfer into the music department. Okay. Uh, you know, this sounds like an offer I can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of the beginning and end of my engineering career. And, you know, sadly, that is one of, if I have any regrets at all throughout my entire life, it's that I yeah. don't have the the engineer's ring the steel ring on my baby okay thing. i okay i i'm a born like my dad was an engineer an electrical engineer i i think like an engineer i yeah yeah I, all through my life i've been into how things work and fixing things and building things yeah yeah, yeah. so i really wish i had somehow found a way to get the self-discipline to do the schooling but okay. you can't look back. So there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. So did you graduate with, with a music background? Yes. With a degree okay. in music. Yeah. Yes, nice. 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 Very nice. Very nice. So, so, so you, you graduate with, with the music in hand at Carleton and where does, where does Jim go after that? Well, where does anyone go with <laughs> music from Carleton University? <laughs> it's hardly worth the, the paper it's printed on. <laughs> However, I did my future mother-in-law managed yes. with, her, with her eagle eye. She spotted an ad yeah. in, uh, in the job section of the Toronto newspaper, whichever it was, because they okay. my, my my future wife, Lisa, was living in Toronto. Okay, and my, you know, mother-in-law found this, or future mother-in-law found this ad, and and I, I, it was for uh, a product specialist for Yamaha Canada Music Limited. And wow! So I showed up, and anyway, long and short of it was I got the job, and wow, uh, nice. So my, so the, I, so the music, the piece of paper with music that said music on it from Carlton worked out. It, it really <laughs> did. I mean, it was quite a quite a career I, I did that yeah. for about three and a half years and uh I mean it what my job was I was the guy who just had to know how the keyboards worked okay these were uh like 
uh, home keyboards that Clavinova was was the main instrument. Okay. And, uh, okay. So all the dealers across Canada, I would support them. I would I would travel Canada, uh, yeah. a full expense account, and nice. basically give mini concerts in their showrooms of these piano stores. And uh, yeah. Oh, so you got to play at the same time. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's really I was nice. Doing little mini concerts. I was kind of like Yamaha was promoting me as sort of a mini celebrity. It was really kind of weird. Wow. Uh, within the Yamaha world, right? And uh, anyway, when I remember one observer said to me, Jim, you're like a wino who's been invited to a wine tasting. <laughs> <laughs> a musician that had, I had a studio that. It was all mine and it was filled with about a hundred thousand dollars worth of instruments and all, wow. all between traveling, which only yeah. happened every three or four months. I'd go for a couple of months on the road, but in okay. between all I did was sit in the studio and play these instruments and get to know them. And my wife used to say, all you do is drink coffee and, and read magazines all day. <laughs> right. <laughs> so did, did you ever feel that, you know, your, your background in music, your, you know, your love for music, the piano, the keyboards, like everything comes together. Did you feel when you were at Yamaha that, you know, this was going to be it, this is going to be my career. I'll be here forever. Yeah, actually, Paul, quite the opposite. And okay. in fact, that experience showed me that that was the last thing I wanted to do. Okay. Um, I was like a hired gun and yeah. I, I was, uh, like an indentured servant to uh to the powers that be at the corporation and but not only and so basically i had to play what they wanted me to play and of course remember i said i'm not good with authority and i'm not good with rules yeah yeah so i broke all the rules and i played whatever the heck i wanted to play and (laughs) everyone seemed to enjoy it like the audiences liked it but my bosses didn't they wanted me to play you know Richard Claterman and you know Zamfir and this kind of oh my god rip my eyes out I can't you know <laughs> anyway uh I couldn't do that I knew it wasn't going to be long term and yeah I had always had ideas that I wanted to be an entrepreneur from okay. a very early age like literally from my, when I was 5 or 6 years old I okay. envisioned myself as a business owner as a career and i never really thought that music would ever be my main career oh, interesting. Uh, well you know it's it's a long shot it's one in a million yeah. that, that musicians are successful and can actually make a life out of it and the other thing is it's a tough gig i mean you know you're working nights and weekends so yeah, yeah. i also knew i wanted to have a family and you know i didn't want to be away from them so i, yeah. I knew I didn't want to be in smoky bars for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I yeah. made the decision to not do that. So. so, so where does, so, so, so you're leaving Yamaha. What, what happens next? Where, where does, where do you go next? Well, so I, it was interesting because I, I had a pretty good gig at Yamaha, but I, I was young and impetuous and, you know, I, back in those days I had quit smoking and okay. So I was one of those obnoxious non-smokers and <laughs> this is like 1985. And so offices were still allowing people to smoke inside the building in the offices in 1985, but 
they were slowly transitioning. So I launched this campaign to get the Yamaha office in Toronto to go smoke free. Okay. I, I didn't make too many friends. I, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, anyway, it, it ended up with my boss's boss hauling me into his office and basically saying, Jim, I'm telling you this once, shut up or you're not going <laughs> to like what's going to happen to you. <laughs> so I and, thought, and was and was your answer like dry me or <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I I didn't say anything to him, but what I did was I took action and so I thought I can't stay in this company. And you know, I, I was young and when I think about it now, it was a great company. And a and a they are Yamaha is an amazing company. They are like top tier. Everybody yeah. wants to work there. Their products are top tier. They're they're not the cheapest. They they build really quality products. And uh, anyway, I left and went to the competition. And okay, uh, I literally went from the fat to the fire. Uh, I mean, it, it, boy, did it, what an eye opener that was! How the other half lives. Okay, and, now the other half. Well, who is the other half? Oh, Roland, Roland Canada. They, they okay. Made, you you might know them from their yep. printers and computers and stuff, but they made a whole line that they still do make a line of musical instruments, including pianos. So they were a competitor to Yamaha at the time. They probably still are. Yeah. And so I left and and joined them. And boy, that only lasted about. I don't know, eight months to a year. And I, which was, you know, it's kind of neat how the universe gives you what you need, right? When yeah, you need, yeah. Because yeah. that was the kick in the pants that I needed to get the heck out of working for somebody else and okay. to take the leap into starting my own, my own thing. Right. So, okay. Okay. So, so how does like, how does that come about? Cause. Well, I got a phone call from my brother. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. So he- Here's a here's a, a business lesson for you. They say never <laughs> work with family, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. true. I learned that one the hard way. Uh, okay. My brother uh, was a very successful chartered accountant. Um, he's retired now, and he had bought a business uh, with his chartered accountant partners, and one of the partners wanted out. So okay. my brother heard that I was, you know, kind of not so happy and yeah. he needed somebody to run this little business. And okay. so he offered me a one third partnership uh, okay. in this business. And I, I saw this as an opportunity to lever myself into a going concern. And yeah. the business was Skyline, which, uh, and so Skyline sells trade show exhibits and okay. Interestingly enough, fast forward, I still own Skyline Ottawa, and that's 30, what, 35 or 36 years ago now? Wow. 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 So Skyline, so Skyline, you you take a part in Skyline Ottawa. What is, for those that don't know, what is Skyline Ottawa? So Skyline is the, uh, so Skyline Ottawa is kind of like, we're a dealer for Skyline Exhibits, Inc., so it would be like we are, you know, Mercedes-Benz of Ottawa. We're not Mercedes-Benz AG. We don't, okay. Okay. don't necessarily build the cars. So we don't build the exhibits per se. We're yeah. a, a sales and service wing. Uh, and Skyline is a, a company that's head office is in Egan, Minnesota. And they've got 80 dealers in North America and other okay. dealers around the world. 
So, okay. And I've been around since the early days of the company. I'm now one of the senior guys. Uh, okay. In that been there the longest. So. Uh, but, but primarily though, Jim, they make, uh, is it, ex it's just purely exhibits. Is that it? Yeah. Like trade trade show. shows and. Yeah. Skyline is the world's largest manufacturer of portable modular trade show exhibits. Okay. Okay. So like the pop-up things that you see, the curved pop-ups and the banner stands and the, now that's yep. not all that we do. Of course we can do virtually anything. The times have changed. And so, you know, we can do two story exhibits and, you know, with wet bars and engineer stamps and all that stuff. Oh, interesting. And most of our, so it's, everyone thinks that, that uh, we take care of all the shows that come to Ottawa and that's not the case. Ottawa doesn't have a lot of trade shows. I mean, there's a few that go on at the EY Center, but they're mostly small and local shows. Okay. All of our customers would have their head office in Ottawa. Gatineau, oh, I see. Oh, I see. But they're doing all their exhibiting remotely. So usually in the States and sometimes okay. in Europe or the Far East. And okay. so that's one thing that we have an advantage is that with all the, uh, the sort of partner offices that we have across the yeah. States, can take care of a trade show program for a client anywhere across the United States. So oh, imagine a high tech company in Canada, they would yeah. come to us, we would design and build their exhibit, and then we would take care of their asset management for them. So we'd ship the booth, we'd set it up for them at the show, take it down, store it uh, in the city where the booth is going to be next. Gotcha. And then, gotcha. Uh, take it from there. Right? And all they'd have to do is show up and man the booth. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Very turnkey then. Very turnkey. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Very nice. So, so you, so, so you did take the plunge then with your brother into the partnership in Skyline, Ottawa. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, uh, I, you know, it, I don't think anyone wants to hear the sordid details of how poorly that, <laughs> went, but Let's just say that my brother and I are very different human beings and uh, he's 12 years older than me. So, okay. and you know, if I could go back and do it all again, I recognize that, that I made some very poor choices and, but what it okay. came down to was that I, I was quite, I wanted to aggressively grow the business and okay. he was much more conservative. And so there was this constant gas pedal break thing going on. Oh, and I see. After about three and a half years, Let's just put it this way. I bought him out. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. Good for you. So you was, can, re, was there a relief? Or? The lines. <laughs> <laughs> was there relief when that happened on your part, Jim? <laughs> well, on my part, yeah. But he wasn't the happiest camper in the world. And, uh, you know, uh, anyway. Uh, you know, we've since reconciled. My brother's a great guy, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, fair enough. No, but I, but I think I think to the point though, which, which is a good one though, Jim. Uh, in terms of a lesson, it's you know, there's different personalities. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be because you're related either. Um, you know, from an accounting background, probably very pragmatic, uh, very measured in their approach, and then you come in and it's like, I just want to grow this thing and. Well, there may not be a full full plan behind it, but there's the passion right there to to do it and, and well, move it exactly. forward. And, and I was I was uh, anyway the you know we had different visions for the direction of the the company, and uh, so it, you know about three and a half years for nah, about three years into it, uh, yeah. we ways and I uh, 
I joined with my graphic designer. His name was is Wayne Mitchell, and uh, okay, we, cre we created a company called Cummings Mitchell, and for about uh, twenty years, well, ten or fifteen years anyway, uh, we did the Cummings Mitchell thing, and it was kind of through the the, the height of the the high tech boom, um, okay, the nineties, right? And so, okay, um. I still get people occasionally at a networking event. They'll say, I don't know, Skyline Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to do business with a company called Cummings Mitchell. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's I changed awesome. the name back to Skyline Ottawa because, and this is an interesting business lesson. Um, I recognize that at some point, I'm going yeah. to want to sell the business. And yeah. I just thought that if my name was on the sign, yeah, I'd be well. Actually, the truth is, Skyline had changed their policy, and they must um, basically, uh, what's the word? They they have to give their permission to okay. to allow a new buyer to come in as a dealer. You can't okay. just sell it to whomever. And the other requirement was the name must start with Skyline. So Skyline of something, right? Of the city. Oh, I see. I see. And so I thought, why am I putting all this energy into, you're in marketing, you know this, you know, creating a brand Yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. I, I'll never be able to get value out of because no one's going to pay me for the name Cummings Mitchell if the first, yeah. on the first day they have to change the name of the company. <laughs> yeah. So I changed it to uh, Skyline Ottawa about 10 years ago and we've been that ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, for those in the Ottawa area that had no affiliation to the Skyline Hotel. Correct. I used to get that all the time, too. Are you the Skyline? Yes, I can. I can imagine. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> so, so, Jim, uh, just just on on the business side of it with uh, Skyline Ottawa. What were some of the early challenges that you faced when you started at, at Skyline Ottawa? Oh, wow. What challenges did I not face? Holy cow. Um, well, like any business owner, I was young. I really didn't know much about how to run a business. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've come full, full circle. We're going to get to this, I know. But, uh, you know, what I'm doing now, helping other businesses grow, yeah. a lot of what I have to offer comes from my experience as a business right. owner myself. Right. And right. so the stuff that I kind of learned the hard way, yeah. uh, I now have firsthand knowledge of what went wrong and why you shouldn't do it that way. Right. And right. that kind of advice that, you know, is invaluable for other business owners. Yeah. So uh, what, you know, what, what did I, sorry, what was your question? What did I? No, but I, and, and I think to that point though, Jim, you know, you can be totally empathetic to what the business owners that you're working with today are going through because you were there, you were yeah. in their shoes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, I like saying that hiring a business coach who's never owned a, a business is like getting sexual counseling from a virgin. <laughs> Not that I you're providing that advice now, Jim. I've just insulted every Catholic out there. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
Now, just following along the the sort of your path here, Jim, there were other businesses that you had invested in as well o- over the years. Yes. So what yeah, tell us about that. Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, early on, I mean, I was an ambitious guy, Paul, and I, I yeah, 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 I, was, I love it. I was swinging for the fences, right? Yeah. So you got to sort of imagine the time and place. This was the the mid to late nineties in Ottawa, which was quickly becoming a high tech hub. High tech hub, yeah, yeah. North America, yeah, and uh, with Terry Matthews and you know guys like that, and all the spin off companies that were being created. And so yeah. a lot of these companies were going to trade shows. So I was getting to meet the young entrepreneurs who were taking the risks and starting these companies. And yeah. I was seeing some of them, you know, get bought and sell for multiple times valuation. And I thought, man, I got to get into this. So I actually joined an angel investor group okay, uh, back in the nineties. And, uh, I also did some angel investing of my own. Um, okay. My my very first investment uh, was a, a, a company called, I, I can share this now because it's a long time ago. The company was called, <laughs> uh, the company was called Origore Engineering. Okay. 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 So it was owned by a young guy named Antoine Paquin. And okay. Some people may have heard of Antoine Paquin. He became famous or infamous, depending on how you look at it. Okay. um, It was interesting because here I am talking to this guy about building, you know, doing design work for him for a trade show exhibit. And at the same time, because we had graphic designers in-house, we could do corporate identity. So we were kind of growing our business, you know, a little adding a little bit of revenue by doing graphic design for things like logos. And this was... okay early days for websites but that was coming yeah Yeah. and I said I I looked at him and I said you know Antoine I said it's incumbent upon me you know this Paul I you know you're hiring me for my marketing advice and my branding advice and I said you know it's incumbent upon me to suggest that you should consider in these early days of your company you should consider a name change and he, okay. he turned his head and he looked at me. He said, what do you mean? And yeah. I went, and he went, ah, oh, man, I have to spell it for everybody. <laughs> Origor <laughs> Engineering. And then he picked up my card. He goes, Skyline. I like that. Can I use that? <laughs> I said, well, I don't know. Like, maybe we could be a little more creative. Anyway, he ended up with Sky Stone. And okay. The, okay. The whole story of the sword and the stone, you know. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the Knights of the Round Table and the whole thing. Anyway, I invested. I took my last dime yeah. and invested uh, every cent I had in his company. And okay. long story short, about a year later, they were bought yeah. by Cisco Systems for $89 million US. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. And uh, overnight, I made like a 27 times return on my money. Oh, that's crazy, Jim. That's crazy. And then this was the late, this was 97, 98. And we were just at the beginning of the crazy tech bubble. Yeah. So I now owned Cisco shares. 
And Cisco kind of went through the roof and became at one point the biggest company in the world by market cap. Yeah. And so I watched my shares go up another five or six times. Wow. And I thought, wow, this is easy. Should have done this a long time ago. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I saw myself as this tech, you know, tech millionaire now, this angel investor genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched it. Of course, the tech bubble burst, as as we all know, (laughs) in the early 2000s. And I got greedy and I watched it. All okay, all so you so time. you didn't sell on on the Cisco side. If I there's another lesson to learn: don't get greedy. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, take yeah. your profits yeah. and yeah. sell some of it anyway. At least put some away in a safe place. Anyway, I didn't do too bad. I ended up with about a thirty time returns on my initial okay. investment. So hey, that's not so bad. I'm not complaining. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it wasn't enough to retire. But it kind of gave me a taste for you know this whole investing in other people's businesses okay uh, things so, okay so but, did you did you do it again after that or well it was after that that i joined the angel group called the band of scoundrels and uh these were all mostly <laughs> yeah these were all mostly uh, high-tech guys who had already sold their businesses and made a fortune and okay. i was the only non-engineer out of the 10 people there were two women i think and eight okay guys, and uh Anyway, it was kind of, it was like Dragon's Den before Dragon's Den. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, it's the precursor to Dragon's Den. It absolutely was. It was really cool. And uh, yeah, so I got to watch uh, nervous uh, young entrepreneurs giving their pitch and hoping that we'd bless them with an investment so that they could build their widget, right? Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's awesome. Awesome. So... So, you, you know, you, you invest in these various businesses, um, and the sky skyline auto is going great. I'm going to fast forward here a little bit to January, 2020. And it's prior to the pandemic, you become a professor at Algonquin college. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, that's really fast forward. Holy cow. (laughs) (laughs) Did we miss anything in between? Well, I, I, just only that uh, from a business point of view, I I founded about uh, three or four uh, different businesses in different okay. industries over the years. I, I was in the renewable energy business. I was putting solar panels on people's roofs. For okay. How long I, is that? That's, that's, that's a while back, is it not, Jim? Yeah, that was early. 2010, I was doing okay. that. Okay, okay. Um, uh, before that, I uh, had a, a website development company going. Uh, okay. Spun off the graphic design portion, and we were concentrating on website development. I ended up uh, basically selling that to my business partner, Wayne Mitchell, and he took that okay. for the rest of his career. He ran that company, was called Red Caddy. And he. Okay. He okay. And uh, yeah, and I believe it or not, at one point, I got into the. I, I was selling bicycles, if you can believe that. Bicycles? Yeah. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy. Uh, but I had the opportunity to acquire the national distribution rights to a, 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 a bicycle manufacturer out of Manhattan, if you can believe okay. that. Okay. Okay. Called Martone Cycles. And, okay. Uh, anyway, that's a, another long and sordid story. But I, I did that for about two or three years, and then I... I, I wound that one down. 
Okay. What was it successful or like did was well successful. I, you know, I actually did it because I met a young guy who was new to Canada and he had the connection. And so okay. he introduced me to the opportunity. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll I'll back it financially, but you run it. And he went, okay. And so we did that for a while, but then like, as you pointed out, partnerships are not easy. And so, yeah, yeah, you know, there was kind of a disagreement and a parting of the ways and he left. And I thought, you know, this is not something that I have the bandwidth to do myself. So, okay. Okay. I didn't want to keep it going. So I just, I, I just closed it. So it wasn't uh, you know, a major success, but it, it also, I didn't lose any money. So, yeah. Yeah. And I ended up with a bunch of nice bikes. I'll tell you, brand new bikes and boxes. I was just, yeah, I was just going to ask that. Do you still have the bikes? Yeah. Well, not anymore. I've been giving them away to charity, believe it or not. Oh, nice. Every, Very yeah. nice. Every time I, I got a call from a, a charity saying, would you donate? I'd say, sure. Do you have a live auction? They'd say, yeah. I'd say, okay. And I'd give them this beautiful $3,000 bike and they, wow. They could, uh, wow. Are these now, are these like mountain bikes or like racing bikes or like what kind of uh, bikes? Is this, go check out Martone cycles and you'll see they're basically fashion oriented bicycles if you can believe okay that. okay so i'm gonna check uh, that out yeah they're they're kind of something you would hang on your wall as much as ride oh wow okay yeah interesting interesting very interesting yeah so i did all of that and then to your question in 2020 yeah um, like how does this come about like this is yeah. this is again this is you here jim the the guy who doesn't like authority now you're taking a position of authority at yeah. an educational institution how does this come about yeah well i i think uh what what happened was i had been chairing the advisory committee for the entrepreneurship uh section of the um school of business at algonquin college okay and uh at the end of one of the meetings so let me let me back up i knew in those days at like around 19 uh about 2019 2018 2019 before yeah. the pandemic my wife and i were spending extended periods of time we were escaping the winter right we were going down yeah yeah there. fair yeah fair uh, we had a nice RV and we would spend time with her parents down in Florida and this sort of thing. But in 2020, with the pandemic, first of all, but it was yeah. actually kind of before the pandemic. So uh, I anyway, it's a long story, but I knew we weren't going to be able to travel that year. Um, okay. Due to some health issues that we had. And so at the end of this uh, committee meeting, one of the staffers at Algonquin said, oh, by the way, if you know anybody who uh, we're looking for professors, so to teach in the school of business. So if you know anybody, send them our way. Okay. And I went home and spoke to my wife. I said, you know, since we're not going away this winter, yeah. uh, what do you think? You know? And yeah, she's go for it. So, yeah. So I did, I threw, I called them up and they went, seriously, you want to, you want to come and they said, you're going to have to <laughs> resign from the committee because it's a conflict of interest. I said, no problem. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I did that for, I don't know, a year and a half or so, maybe. Oh, maybe nice. Two. Good for you. I taught, uh, I think, four different, uh, like two different courses. And uh, one of them I did three times. So, okay. But what happened was, I mean, it, I mean, it was great, Paul. They say you never learn as much as when you teach. And yeah. man, it was great mental exercise for me. And I 
challenged myself. Like, this is interesting because I used to always tell my staff, there's yeah. no shame in saying to a customer, in fact, never BS a customer because they can smell BS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I'd say to them, there's no shame in saying, you know, I don't know the answer to that question, but yeah. if that's important to you, I will find out. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well and said. I thought there are exceptions to every rule. And if you're the professor in a course, when a student says, sir, can you explain this concept in the textbook? <laughs> you can't say, well, you know, I don't know the answer to that question, but if, if it's important to you, I'll get back to you. <laughs> so I thought, I need to understand every line in this textbook. And I yeah. grasp it so that when a student does say to me, what does that mean? I yeah. can explain. Them. So I basically made myself, I challenged myself to be the best student in the class. Okay. And, okay. And, uh, and I did. And so I had a great time. These kids were, I say kids, they were young adults. Yeah. They were, it's like anything, you know, there were some who were just off the charts, talented and hardworking and successful. And there were others who just, you know, kind of tried to phone it in. And then <laughs> the pandemic happened. And it all went online and it just sadly for me became a total soul sucking experience because, okay. Okay. You know, you'd have a class of 40 people, 25 maybe would show up. And if okay. you're lucky, maybe four or five would turn their cameras on. Oh, I see. I see. Right. And the rest of, so I'd ask a question of the group yeah. and I like nothing. And then yeah. I'd get, you know, one of my three or four, and guess which ones ended up being the A students, right? And it it totally wasn't bias on my part. It was the fact that the, the students who had their cameras on were the ones who were engaged in the class. They were there to learn something. And yeah. they were the ones who ended up getting the, the, the highest grades in the class, right? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I did that for a couple of years. And then I thought, no, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Okay, okay. So, so, so did you ever make it in person? Yeah, I started. Okay. So the first class I taught was in yeah. person. And that was okay. fun. Because, you know, you've got the kid with his baseball cap on backwards and he's sitting, leaning back on his chair at the back of the room on his phone <laughs> under the desk, right? Staring down at his front. And I would ask a question. And of course, he would ignore me. So I would walk down the aisle and right up to him. And I'd say, so, John. What do you think of what we're talking about? Take <laughs> him into consciousness, and he'd look at me, blinking, going, oh, "What? What? What question? What? What?" Yeah, but you can't do that online. That's the problem. You can't too, do right? that online. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I used to. Uh, I did this in business too. I called it MBWA, management by walking around. <laughs> hey, especially your sales department when they're not on the phone, hey, Jim. <laughs> Exactly. You, you look over someone's shoulder and you say, hey, how's it going? What are you doing? Right. Uh... <laughs> so so it, is it fair to say that it's your teaching experience was obviously different than your business experience and, and running a business? Yes. Are you asking me? Yes. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. But like can you elaborate on that like what what well, was the big thing for you that, again that was you no know, i'm not good with rules and regulations <laughs> so 
you know, I kind of, and again, we're back in school, right? Only yeah. this time I'm the professor. Well, I wanted these kids to learn something. I wanted yeah. them to be engaged. And so, yeah. I, yes, I had some pretty high standards. Well, high standards, do your work and hand it in on time. And yeah. don't try and lie, cheat and steal. And yeah. you'll get a good grade. Like this is not rocket surgery. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I ended up getting, uh, got my knuckles wrapped by the college because uh, one of the kids complained, you know, that uh, he was, he felt he was being treated unfairly. And it was funny because <laughs> the, the guy who, uh, who did the knuckle wrapping was a friend of mine. And he called me up and he goes, Jim, Jim, I'm, just, I'm really sorry, but I, I just have to tell you that there's been a complaint. And, and I said, who? He said, well, I can't tell you. That. <laughs> I can't tell you. Yeah. I said, okay, fair enough. What was the yeah. complaint? Oh, yeah. I can't tell you that either. What? You can't tell me what it was <laughs> I did wrong? How am I? What the heck are we having this conversation for? <laughs> and I know, I know. He said, by the way, is this the first time you've ever had a complaint? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, man, I've had like 10 in the past year. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. So did, I, did 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 you at any point though while you're teaching the these these students did you ever look at some of them and say that's a young Jim Cummings they're not they're not dialed okay. in here Oh yes absolutely absolutely okay. in fact I, okay. I hired now this was before I was teaching at Algonquin but I I ended up hiring uh, some kid. I, I I had you know friends who were professors, and I'd call them up and say, like in the the um, marketing, the school, the marketing course, yeah. I'd call them up and say, who are your star players? Nice. And nice. they would they'd give me two or three names, and I'd call them up and say, are you interested in a job after you graduate? Nice. And I got nice. some of my best sales reps from that. Yeah, I can imagine because yeah. those are the ones dialed in, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up, uh, yeah, I saw, I don't know if I saw myself, but I saw some kids that I knew yeah. were going to be successful business owners for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. So, you know, it's, it's amazing. This, your, your entire journey is quite amazing because you just go from like, one, everything just seems to dovetail. So like, you know, you're teaching at, at Algonquin and then these seeds of, starting your own business coaching. How does that come about? Well, so it's a very good question. And I, you know, I, I finished up, I, I decided not to go back at Algonquin. And I thought, you know, because I had always set up my businesses to, I, one of my goals was to push the autopilot button so that I always had either business partners uh, like I, you know, I expanded into Montreal with Skyline and then I expanded into Toronto and I had a business partner who ran those for me. And uh, now in Skyline Ottawa, for instance, I have a general manager who runs it for me and I don't have to do anything with the day-to-day -day operations of it. Okay. And so I knew that I was going to have some time on my hands and I thought, I'm not done yet. I want to keep myself active and I want, primarily, I want to give back to the community. I want, I want to use the skills and the lessons that I've learned to help other people, other business owners. So very nice. Very thought, nice. how can I do that? And I, I just thought, you know, maybe coaching is the way to go. And it also, when you think about it, I'm combining 35 years of, of what I've learned in business with 
my experience as a teacher, uh, I'm putting those two things together now and I'm working one-on-one with business owners and, yeah. uh, it, it is truly Paul. It is, it, I should have done this 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. It, yeah. Nice. It's the most rewarding, uh, yeah. fulfilling, uh, purposeful career. Yeah. I think anyone can have, um, just a tremendous sense of purpose. Like I, I don't feel I deserve it, but my clients tell me on a regular basis how important our relationship is. Yeah. And you know, when you think about it, top playing uh, sports players, like, you know, yeah. Tiger Woods has a swing coach, right? Like, yeah, yeah. All That's he does is watch his swing and pick out little tiny uh, errors that, that he might see to get him thinking differently, just to give him that fine edge so that yeah. he can be that much better and win the tournaments, right? Yeah, 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 it's very true. Very, very true. Well, and you know, and uh, I mean, I said this before, I think, you know, definitely your background in starting, you know, the various businesses and being invested yourself in those businesses lends all of, a lot of the background necessary to help uh, you guide, you know, your clients. Well, I've been there, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the one of the number one keys to being a successful coach is to not try as much as possible to not tell people what to do. Okay. And I know that sounds counterintuitive. Like, why are they paying me if not to tell them what to do? What to do. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. It's it's not that I don't want them to know what to do. It's that I want them to arrive at their own conclusions. Oh, I see. Right? So I see. what I will do, instead of telling them what to do, I will try and ask them questions yeah. uh, around the topic and guide them in the direction I'd like to see them thinking until okay. that light bulb goes on and they go, oh, yeah. 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 You know, gee, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Wow. That's because if yeah. it's your idea, you have ownership of it and you're far more likely to implement it right. than if it's somebody else's idea, you're not so likely to want to invest in it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So you're, you're basically putting the dots on the paper and allowing them to connect them. Exactly. That's a good analogy. Yeah. That's exactly. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So, okay, I, I have to get to this part. Uh, very excited to get to this part here, Jim. <laughs> so you have, we will provide all the contact details uh, at the end of the show here. Uh, Jim has a very successful podcast called yeah. the Business Tune-Up Podcast with uh, Candy Sexteen. Now tell us, how does that come about, Jim? Well, it, that's a really good uh, good question, Paul. So a couple of years ago when I was first launching Inside Track Coaching, uh, a good friend of mine was in an organization that I think you're familiar with called Business Networking International. Yes, yes. And uh, he, uh, he, was, he is a chiropractor. And he said, oh, you're thinking of being a business coach. He said, well, there's a business coach in my BNI group. Uh, maybe you'd like to meet her and she can give you some ideas. And that led to a conversation with Candice and we hit it off and uh, we, I don't know who suggested it, but we decided to do a podcast together. Crazy. Oh, nice. Nice. 
and uh and so off we went we didn't really know what we were doing but i think yeah. we're now we don't have anywhere near as many podcasts as you do but we're we're up in the <laughs> 20s now so nice we're like, nice yeah. good for you and uh it's really kind of cool because i think it it brings an interesting perspective to the audience because you got two business coaches who yeah. you you know you really couldn't find two more different approaches than candice and me and so okay. It makes for an interesting conversation because we don't see the world the same way, not necessarily right or wrong. Right, right, right. Yeah. She will, she will attack a problem completely differently because her experience is more in enterprise type businesses. She worked for Rogers for a number of years. She, she okay. was a, bit a mucky muck, like kind of an executive. And so she had a bunch of people working for her and, and now she's, you know, coaching business owners and other executives. Whereas yeah. I came from a, an entirely different world and that's the small business bootstrapping world. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. You know, kind of instant feedback, zero bureaucracy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah. So anyway, it's great. We, we have lots of fun and, and we, we like you do, we, we bring guests on and uh, nice. nice. So it's the whole point is to, you know, give valuable information to people. Like yeah, definitely. Are. Yeah. Well said. Very well said. We're, we're not, we're not trying to sell yeah. anything. We're just trying to create relationships at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and, and we we're using it as a bit of a marketing tool in the sense that it gets our names out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. And we get, we get pretty good feedback. I mean, you know, people who do listen to the podcast, uh tell us you know i was out walking the dog and i threw the headphones on and wow i really enjoyed that podcast on whatever yeah. it is communication yeah. or leadership or whatever yeah. right yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome that's awesome well and you know to us to, to, to i'll just add to that from my experience it's it's very nice to reach the audience to your point they're walking the dog you're you're meeting them where they are everyone has a phone and it's very easy to listen to something. There's many opportunities to do it. Um, so a lot of the feedback I've gotten is, hey, the podcast is great because I didn't finish it. It's an hour long. I can tune back in later. Right. Um, so it's it's very it's it's very it's very handy that way. Uh sort of meeting people where they are. Yeah, I and I think as 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 I said, you want to bring value to people. You want to give them yeah. some actual tangible takeaway stuff that they can use. And yeah. people, well, why do you do that? Like, don't you charge for that? Well, yeah, but it's kind of I use the analogy of if a plumber told you how to plumb your house, you yeah. know, and install a sink and do a pee trap and all that stuff, are you likely gonna do it yourself? When you, yeah. you know, need plumbing work? No, but he he or she has demonstrated to you their ability and the fact yeah. that you know what the heck they're talking about. And yeah. when you do need a plumber, you go, I remember that guy. And you give him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So very this, well said. this is kind of what we're, uh, what we're doing with the podcast. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So if someone is listening Jim and they're looking to start a business or maybe they've recently started a business. What advice would you have for them? All right. So the good segue, because you're, you're saying what good information can we give? 
Good for you. So what advice would I give to someone starting a business right now? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think this is going to come as a big shock, but if I, if you said to me, I want to sail across the ocean, uh, what do you think I'm going to say to you? Uh, I'll, I'll answer that question. I, I'm going to say, all right, do you know anything about sailing? And yeah. if you don't go figure it out, go learn, go read a few books. And then yeah. first and foremost, you must have a plan. So do a business plan. And, okay. you know, I thought you were going to say you must have a boat, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need a boat too. Yeah. But you need to chart a course, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, well I use this analogy, analogy. If you have a course set and you, you have an idea of where you want to go, if you get hit by a storm and you get blown off course, yeah. well, you can just adjust your compass heading and you can still arrive at your destination. Yeah. And why should I do like statistically business plans never work out. I've seen companies do not one, not two, but sometimes three 180 degree turns in yeah. what it is that they're doing, especially in high tech. Because yeah. they suddenly realized their first idea wasn't going to work, but this other thing came up out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it yeah. Becomes their core business all of a sudden. We see this time and time again. Yeah. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have a plan because a business plan lays out for you all the stuff you didn't know you needed to know, and it forces you to think about stuff that you didn't think you needed to think about. You needed to think about, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? well said. So, yeah, so have a plan. The other thing I would say is read everything. Like I'm a I'm a big proponent of reading. I'm a voracious reader. I good for you. I read as much as I can. I'm I'm a student of life and I I read yeah. a lot of nonfiction, but I also read some fiction because I think you should balance that. But if you want to start a business, read what you can related yeah. to business. Okay. And then my last bit of advice would just be just do it. Like, you know, think Nike. Uh, well, yeah, you know what? To that point, though, Jim, and I want I want to marry that that point of doing it with understanding and getting the plan. Would would you say that you don't need to have everything figured out though before you do it? No, absolutely not. That's a that's yeah. such a good point, Paul. And yeah. that's why I say just do it because there's an old adage: ready, shoot aim <laughs> okay yeah so true. just yeah. do it and then yeah. figure out what you did wrong later but yeah some people not everybody but some people get into what you would call uh analysis paralysis yeah exactly yeah, right? yeah. and they they just overthink stuff and they it's like uh they go ready 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 yeah ready, yeah ready. and then they never pull the never never take the shot. Yeah. They never, yeah. they never take the leap into business ownership. That's why I'm saying just do it. Don't yeah. overthink it, have a plan, do your homework and yeah. then just do it off you go. Because someone very wise said to me not too long ago, Jim, there is no failure. There's only feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. That's true. It's very true. It's very true. Um, you know, th that's that's a really good point, too, though, Jim, in terms of failure, because I find a lot of people that are going to start a business often have that as 
something that definitely holds them back from doing it or starting it. It's that fear of, well, what if it doesn't work out? Right. What if well, I, what if, what if I fail at this? Right. So <clears throat> that's actually not a bad thing, Paul. Um, yeah. That's common to all entrepreneurs is an acute fear of failure. And it's one of the things that spurs us on. We don't like to lose. We're very competitive. Yeah, good point. Yeah, good we're, point. We're in it to win it. And yeah. so we'll fight to the last ounce in order to get what it is that we want. Yeah. Um, so that's not necessarily a bad thing. It can actually end up working against you. Uh, but um, yeah, I, 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 I just think that there is no shame in failure. And, and you know this, yeah. like yeah. in Silicon Valley, they, they actually wear failure like a badge of honor. Like yeah. you'll hear yeah. young entrepreneurs saying, you've had how many failed businesses? Three? That's nothing. I've had six failed businesses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So yeah. you got to yeah. get over that. That that we entrepreneurs are a rare breed. Uh yeah. we take risks. Uh we are afraid of failure, but failure doesn't stop us. We no, learn, exactly. Yeah, very well said. We learn from it and we move on. So yeah. You know, that's the advice I would give somebody is, is if you want to start a business, do your homework and then do it. Yeah. 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 The, 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 the one thing I will say too, just, and then we'll leave the, the failure thing is I see this a lot coaching um, minor football. You get some of these players that are very, very high performing. They have very high standards for themselves and their level of play and they miss a play, this is football specific, they know they missed their assignment and, you know, we suffered as a result because we gave up a big play. You know, you don't necessarily have to go over and remind them that they missed the play. They know. You know, yeah. there's there's those that are really dialed in like that that understand, but to your point, they often don't make that, make, that mistake a second time. They've learned from that failure, you know? So... There's uh, there's definitely some some tremendous wisdom from from failing for for those, uh, Jim, that have a business looking to expand it, maybe with multiple locations or they've been in business for a while. They're looking to grow. What advice would you say to those people? They've they've taken that step to do it, but they want to grow even more. Well, what a, what a great question. So this is an int because many businesses end up hitting a plateau and they their growth stalls. Yeah. And there, that can be for a lot of reasons. It could be that the market is only that big, or it might be something that they're doing or not doing, or it could be the limits of the capabilities of the founders or founders. Okay. Okay. So Good point. There's all kinds of things. But I think just generally speaking to any business owner who wants to grow their business. And as you say, like I have some experience with, I have clients who are growing their businesses in multiple locations. So um, yeah. I think it, it it's not dissimilar to the, the, the same sort of plan as when you're starting a business. And that is establish a plan for what your growth will look like, and then start to establish relationships with people who can help you leverage into that growth. So for, perhaps people who have already done it. So if you want to franchise your business, go talk to people who have already franchised their business. 
businesses. I, I see. asked them, yeah, I what see. would you do differently? Um, yeah. Establish relationships. One of the key things is that if you want to grow, you need money. Yeah. And so you, and that takes a lot of work and a lot of time. I'm telling you, it really does to, to raise capital, to grow your business. So start learning that, doing that learning curve. So establish relationships with lenders, whether they be banks or tier two lenders or okay. private investors or investor syndicates or whatever, whatever fills your, your boots, yeah. uh, start thinking about it early because it's going to take a while to get there. And then, you know, if I could throw this one in, I, I would say hire a business coach. Yeah, yeah. Because a business coach. A business yeah, coach. definitely. I mean, my slogan is get there faster. Yeah. Uh, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes a business coach can help clear the haze or part the weeds, if you will, so that you yeah. can see more clearly what it is yeah. you need to do to get to where you want to be. Yeah. 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 Very well said. You know, it's interesting you say that, uh, get there faster. I, I will say I did see, oh, it must've been about two months ago. Um, I do spend a lot of time on social media. There was, uh, it was, it was to do with, with business coaching and they had a set of stairs in, in the visual and beside it was an escalator. And the, the gist of the picture was the guy walking up the stairs by himself has no business coach. And the other guy just gets on the escalator because he has a business coach and just gets there faster. I like that. I like that. It's, that's a good analogy. It's a, it's incredible. So, so to that point, definitely. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's, that's great. Uh, a great advice, uh, Jim. What about for those, for those businesses that are maybe having a tough go of things, maybe it was COVID that, you know, they haven't recovered from, or maybe they've had a downturn in the business. What do you say to those people? Well, this is a really interesting topic because I'm a firm believer that hardship separates the men from the boys, the women from the girls, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, you know, when the old adage, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, get going and everyone else quits. Yeah. Um, good point. Yeah. Very good point. So sometimes adversity shows the true character shows someone's true character and if you really have the stuff that it takes to fight your way through a tough situation your business is going to thrive when you get to the other side yeah um, yeah i heard a motivational speaker once say when you're going through hell just keep going <laughs> just keep going it's true yeah. because statistically yeah. success is right around the corner most people yeah. quit just before they, they are going to achieve liftoff velocity or yeah. takeoff velocity, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, just hang in there. Now, the flip side of that coin, sadly, is you also have to know when to call it a day. Yeah, true. I like, see. I uh, see. Someone once said to me, Jim, when the horse is dead, dismount. <laughs> But you got to know it's dead. You got you got to know it's dead. That's the yeah. thing. When it's really not worth flogging a dead horse anymore. What what, what are those? But what are those signals, Jim? Is it a loss of passion? Is it loss of fire? No drive. 
Well, it's it could be any number of things. It, it, like, what if the person has all the drive in the world, but the the circumstances, you know, they've been hit with a financial adversity for whatever reason, and yeah. they're not going to climb out of it. Um, oh, I the, see. The I best see. entrepreneurs in the world are going to know. Okay, I'm going to cut my losses at this point. Yeah, and I'm going to go yeah. put my efforts somewhere else, right? So it's really tough to know when that is because on the one hand, you want to fight, fight, fight in mm -hmm. order to succeed. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you got to know when to chuck in the towel. Yeah. When it's just not worth it, right? Yeah. And that's also where a good coach can help. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are the three things that have had the biggest impact on biggest impact on your success? Well, okay. Wow. What a, what a question. <laughs> Do I have to pick only three? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the floor is yours. However many you want. <laughs> well, okay. I'll, I'll, I will. This is a good challenge. Keep it to three. I think the number one thing, if you, every, you know, business book you read, every entrepreneur you talk to, you're going to hear this recurring theme. The number one success factor, the number one character trait that is common to all successful entrepreneurs is determination. Yeah, very my, nice. My father used to call it stick-to-itiveness. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Stick-to-itiveness. Very nice. Yes, exactly. So other people call it the last man standing rule, right? Oh, everyone, yes. Yes, yes. Everyone else has quit. And who's the last man standing? They're the one who's, who's going to succeed. Okay. Yeah. When yeah. everyone else has given up because it's just too freaking hard, um, yeah. you know, because entrepreneurship is not easy. So, it, you know, it really does test your mettle. And uh, determination is the number one thing. I would also say, so my number two thing to just to counterbalance that is patience. Okay. Uh, I call it the get rich slow plan. Okay. So, yeah, you, gotta, yeah. you know, you got to plant the seeds, but then you have to wait for the crop to grow. Yeah. You yeah. can't, you can't be all, you know, fired up about uh, seeing instant results. The, yeah. the most successful people in the world got so slowly. Look at Warren Buffett. Slowly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one of the richest people in the world, but he invests in very conservative uh, yeah. investments, but they grow over time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I would say is uh, that got me where I am is risk taking. And we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but you do have to take risks. You, yeah. you have to have the intestinal fortitude to gamble, not gamble. I hate that word. It's not gambling. It's investing in an opportunity that might fail. There is a chance it's going to fail and you could lose your money. Yeah. Okay? And um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you got to take that risk. And yeah. again, very few people have that risk, that level of risk tolerance to be able to be successful entrepreneurs. And some entrepreneurs don't even think about it. it risk is like breathing to them. When, when I got married, <laughs> So true. So true. One of uh, one of our best friends, when Lisa and I got married, one of our best friends gave us a a, a wedding card. 
it was i never forgot this because it said a on the card? card yeah the card the wedding card said uh marriage is a risk and then it said on the inside it said risk what risk breathing is a risk <laughs> And I've I've never forgotten that. It's like yeah, it's true. Yeah. Like, get on yeah. with it. You you know, yeah. you've heard this before. We regret the things we did not do in life way more than we regret the things we did do. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Just freaking do it. And yeah. if it fails, it fails. You pick yeah. yourself up, dust yourself off, get back on the horse and ride off to your but next. But there's no regrets. No regrets. There is no yeah. failure, only feedback. Learn from it yeah. and move on. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I like that. No failure. Nobody's going to laugh at you because they don't steal have that. to do what you did. Yeah. That's very nice. I got to steal that, Jim. No <laughs> failure, just feedback. I like that. I like that. Well, I'll send you my bill, Paul. If it's <laughs> I like that. That's that's really well said. D did you have any mentors along the way, Jim, that, that you looked up to? Or you any know, mentors anybody else should should look up to that that you'd recommend or well okay so I know it's a bit of a cop out but I my father was a huge influence on me nice uh, I had a charmed upbringing I, I because all my siblings were quite a bit older than me yeah like by many years it, and I really was a mistake my parents were a little older when I was born and okay so besides being so you're so you're solo pretty much. Oh, pretty much. I, uh, yeah, I, I, it was almost like being an only child when you think of it that way. I yeah. didn't, I didn't, I didn't fight with my siblings cause they were so much older than me. Yeah. And, uh, my father was the greatest dad in the world. He was, as I said earlier, an engineer and I had a charmed upbringing because I spent so much time with this wonderful man who oh, nice. just fed my curiosity. And, okay. uh, he, you know, he was the kind of guy who, and he loved it. Like I would, I, you know, we'd be driving along in the car and I'd just ask him whatever came into my mind, questions about yeah. the world yeah, and yeah. light, how it works. And, and he would just answer me and fill my head with, with uh, all these wonderful ideas. And to his credit, he was the one who said, you know, Jim, you should be an entrepreneur when you grow up. You've nice, nice. You've got what it takes to do that. And uh, so I, nice. I, my father, I, he gave me, and he also gave me the permission to do it. Like he, you know, okay. failure was okay with him. Not trying something was not okay. Like okay. Not getting in the game was not okay. Losing yeah. the match was okay. But yeah, yeah. not playing because you're too shy was not okay. Was not okay. Yeah. 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 Did, did, was he, was he, uh, uh, was, I, I don't know, was he around Jim to see your success in business? He was, yes. He okay, died in nice. So he was one of my biggest fans. And uh, nice, very nice. He used to come to whenever we'd have a, a marketing event, like a, a you know, a customer appreciation uh, party yeah. or something. He was yeah. always there. He'd get gussied up and he'd, uh, he'd come <laughs> chat with my clients. And he was the proud dad. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Uh, very nice. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, other than that, I, I don't have any, I'm not, you know, I'm not a hero worshiper in any way, yeah, yeah. but yeah. there's many business owners that, that I admire, you know, and this is kind of like off the charts here, but I, I'm a big fan of Bill Gates and okay. Uh, okay. You know, 
I, I follow him and I'm, uh, the guy is an incredible human being. Um, yeah. I, I just, uh, one of the things I like most is that he is a voracious reader, yeah. way more than I am. And he has his recommendations every, uh, at least once a year, he comes out with his top 10 books to read. Yeah. And I don't have to think about it. I just, I just go to that list every year. I give it to my kids. I say, here's, here's the Christmas list. Pick any one of these books. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, that's all you need to get me. <laughs> so yeah, I, there's, there's a fantastic documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. It's called inside Bill's brain. Oh, I and, haven't seen it. Oh, it's go do yourself a favor. It's just, Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it gives you an idea of what kind of guy he is. And the other thing is read his latest book. I, I have a bit of a passion about climate change. Okay. I, I think that this okay. is the number one threat to humanity. Yeah. And I, I really... Well, you saw it early because you had the solar business about 2010. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that we as a, you know, as a species need to set aside our political differences and come together to do something about this incredibly fragile home that we have and there's only one of them yeah um, yeah and so gates's latest book is called how to avoid a climate crisis and okay it's a phenomenal read paul because it's not hard to read uh he he writes it in lay terms for you and me for the okay. average person and he lays it out step by step this is these are the culprits these are the industries that are causing the biggest problem and this is these are the solutions this is what we have to get to to correct these problems and what's nice about it is so many times uh climate activists are all doom and gloom it's like oh hair on fire we're all going to hell in a handbasket we've hit the tipping point <laughs> we're never going to survive ah! <laughs> Gates, on the other hand, says that he's quite optimistic that we're actually going to get there by 2050. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, zero carbon emissions by 2050, eliminating, I think it's 50 billion tons of CO2 annually by 2050. We got to get rid of that. So oh, anyway, yeah, and it's it's a great read, and uh, it's not hard to read, but it gives you hope that you know we can we can pull out of this thing and we can do something about it and the average person can make a difference and and so i was waiting for that shoe to drop in the book like when is he going to tell me what i can do uh, <laughs> and he actually says so the way that you can help is next time you're in a ballot box ask yourself this person i'm voting for what's their position on climate change and if they don't oh, have see. a very serious firm plan to do something about climate change then don't vote for them interesting interesting yeah. interesting okay this is my my favorite part of the interview mm. hobbies and interest what are jim's hobbies and interest we know of the piano love to read travel what else what yeah. else is jim doing you know Paul, I'm a boring guy. I I don't, <laughs> I don't have any real hobbies per se. No? I'm a little bit ADHD. I'm always, uh, you know, attracted by shiny objects. So I'm yeah, 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 yeah. The squirrel. The next, yeah, the squirrel. <laughs> yeah. The next fun thing that I can go play with, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Are you so, a tech guy? Are you into tech gadgets or? Not 
No, not really. Not terribly. I wouldn't say I'm geeky in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. But I do, again, I like to sample from the buffet of life. Yeah, so yeah. I'll give you an example. Okay. My dad, when he passed away, he, he was a hunter and he had all these really cool hunting rifles. And okay. uh, my mom suddenly inherits them when he died in 2000. And she goes, I no use for these rifles. So she yeah. gave them to me and just said, here, take them. And I, they've been sitting in my basement for 20 years now, 23 years. And just two months ago, I pulled the trigger and I took the Canadian firearm safety course. And Oh, good for you. Yeah. Long story short, I have my possession and acquisition license now. Yeah. You got a pal. So I'm, I'm legal now to uh, take the guns to a firing range, which I'm looking forward to do. Oh, uh, good for you. So that I can learn how these rifles work. And yeah. then, you know, at the end of the day, I probably will uh, go maybe, you know, duck hunting or yeah you know, yeah or you go to you go shooting you go to shooting contests or well i don't know about a contest but uh I, the ultimate <laughs> goal is to actually do some some hunting i mean i'm a okay. responsible gun owner now so i'm i'm Good i'm gonna you. go being very conscious about safety and all that stuff and nice. now i'm not saying you know ask me a, a year from now or two years from now and i'll say yeah no i'm not doing that anymore <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay yeah, you know, my I, my I, just to finish up on the, the yeah go ahead yeah go ahead i mean the the biggest thing for me and this yeah. is what i impress upon young people is i ask them whenever i'm speaking to an audience of young people i say what's your most valuable asset yeah and i get crickets right and yeah. eventually one of them will say oh my time i'll say you got it <laughs> i usually i have to say sure. what do you have way more of than i have yeah, yeah, you good point. Yeah. That yeah. gets them thinking, oh wow, time. And so if time is your most valuable asset, the one of the most important things in life is being able to choose what it is that you do with your time. Yeah. And that was something I learned very early on. So with all of my businesses, part of the reason I became an entrepreneur is I did not want to be chained to a desk from eight to five. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want somebody else to be able to tell me what I was going to be doing with my time. Yeah, I yeah, good point. Wanted to be able to choose. Now, that didn't mean I didn't put in eighty-hour weeks, right? Like, when yeah, you yeah, got yeah, absolutely. Business, you got to do that, but yeah. it means that now I have the luxury of being able to choose what I do almost every day. Uh, I can spend time with my wife. We're going to be doing a lot of traveling. Um, you know, my son's here from Toronto. I've built a house. There's another hobby, if you will. I oh, very nice. I uh, I I built my dream house uh, up in Val de Mont, Quebec, which is where I'm at right now. On, oh, very uh, nice. On a lake, we have 620 feet of lakefront. So very I nice. took I took 15 months, and uh, I wore a tool belt, and there's hardly a piece of wood that I didn't cut, carry, or uh nail or screw in this whole house wow good and, for you jim uh, yeah so you know like i said sampling from the buffet just trying a little bit of everything right and yeah. so now yeah. i get i've built this place this was a huge bucket list thing for me a huge goal from from age uh, 25 i wanted to build this this house okay 
Okay. And bakehouse. And, uh, and so now I get to enjoy it. I'm spending time with family and friends. We have dinner awesome. parties and, uh, you know, it's great. We can go fishing or swimming or skiing nice. or whatever the place is. Yeah. Nice. Now, do you fish as well? I do. I do. Um, what do you, what do you have in the lake there? Oh, what? are you a you fisherman? Paul? Oh yeah. You got any musky? No, not in this lake. No, there's not bike. Muskies. There are northerns. Yeah. Oh, nice. And in the deep part of the lake, there's uh, lake trout. Oh, um, nice. Very nice. Yeah. We're in, I say shallow in quotation marks, but it's like 25 to 30 feet. Okay. Uh, like the trout need the deep water because it's got to be cold, right? So it's like over 200 feet. Okay. Okay. Or, uh, no, not 200, 100 and, 130 feet, maybe. 130. Okay. That's enough that it's good and cold and there's trout down there. But in this part of the lake, it's uh, mostly pike and bass uh okay largemouth bass and boy oh, bass nice. a lot of fun to catch it's great oh yeah absolutely yeah absolutely that pike are nice but it doesn't last long <laughs> no that's right eh? pike, they're lazy how did we get onto this topic yeah like they're i can lazy. talk about this for hours but you're right they give up they <laughs> yeah. fight for about two seconds and then it's like hauling a log in after that yeah exactly and and or you almost think if you're not paying attention because uh, you haven't gotten anything all afternoon it's like oh i think i just got the weeds or something you know and it's like wow it's it like, and then suddenly you've got this five pound pike on your line by the boat and you thought it was weed. <laughs> yeah exactly like that bass will fight to the last oh second. yeah now here's yeah. a good analogy bass are like entrepreneurs they never know. We're going to fight to the end. <laughs> Pike are more like bureaucrats. They just like to, you know, take <laughs> You got to oh. wheel them in from the weeds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, good one. I, uh, I am I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I, I think you have uh, an opinion on this, uh, a favorite musician or artist. Oh, Paul, I was afraid you were going to ask me that. You got to narrow it down, though, here, Jim. Well, okay. So, that professor that I admired so much in university, another thing he said to me, which I think is one of the most valuable things that I took away from university, we were having a yeah. beer. He was a young guy, young, like I was 20 and he was 25. And he was, like I said, a full professor in the music department. And so he'd yeah. go, we'd go out and hang out with him and, and have beers in the pub. And he said to me once, Jim, I know everything there is to know about art. I just don't know what I like. Wow. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase when somebody encounters some kind of, you know, modern art and they go, I don't know anything about art, but I know what I like. <laughs> and, and that ain't art. <laughs> and that ain't art. Yeah. <laughs> so what? What he's saying, it, when you think this is kind of deep stuff here, but what he's saying is, the more you know about a subject, the more difficult it is to be absolute about it, to be black or white. Yeah. You see everything in terms of shades of gray. Okay. Okay. So okay. It, uh, in music, because I, I learned a lot about it. Um. And because I, I'm open-minded, I it's very difficult for me to say that's terrible. Yeah, uh, and this is awesome, right? So I'm con and like again the ADHD thing. I'm constantly looking for new stimulation, right? And new okay, uh, okay, new artists. So uh, I'll just give you an example. I came across this. Have you ever heard of the Tiny Desk concerts? 
No. Check it out, man. Just just Google search tiny desk concerts. Okay. It is the coolest thing you've ever seen. And okay. one of the performers that they invited onto the tiny desk concert was a guy named Jacob Collier. Okay. Have you ever heard of Jacob? No, Collier? never oh. heard of him. Do yourself a favor. Okay. And just listen to some Jacob Collier. It will okay. blow your mind. This guy, he's a young guy, is one yeah. of the most talented musicians I have ever heard. What genre is he in? Uh, is it kind of a mix? You or? know what? I think you'd have to ask a music critic. It's really, it's not pop. It's not yeah, rock. Yeah. Okay. It's, not, it, it's, it's very heavily jazz influenced. Oh, nice. I'll like that. Okay. But you've got, he's got, it, it, it is, it, you have to hear it. It's, it's unbelievable. It's just okay. the, 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 the common element is it's incredibly musical. It, okay. the, the musicality is phenomenal. It's intelligent music and uh, mm. it's beautiful music and it's, okay. It's listenable. And the other one who I, came across recently they've been around for a while now is, is a group called snarky puppy never heard of it <laughs> <laughs> go listen to some snarky puppy and fasten okay. your because it'll blow you away okay i mean i'm you know i'm mostly a jazz player now um, okay I, I i when i sit down and play for myself i play jazz piano okay um, I studied classical music, but I, I've given up the discipline of playing. Like I've forgotten all the classical pieces I ever learned, and it's an yeah. incredibly disciplined thing. Whereas jazz is a little more loosey goosey and a little okay. more improvisational, and you know, it's it's a lot more fun. I find so. Okay. Now, okay. Jazz is not easy. It's like you know, any good jazz player will tell you that jazz is math. I mean, yeah. it's. There's a lot of computations going on in your brain and understanding all the different uh, modes, musical modes, and you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to play within the framework. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, I, I'll listen. Like if we have a dinner party, I'll throw on, you know, Bill Evans or uh, a piano player named Alan Broadbent. Okay. Uh, they're just phenomenal players. Um, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Very I'm nice. always looking for something new, though. So my kids keep me young. Um, just uh, this afternoon, I went for a drive with my son. He's got the coolest car in the world. He, Justin bought a 1974 Pontiac Le Mans. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I mean, zero return. Wow. He gets he starts a conversation every time he pulls over for gas. There's five I'm, I can imagine. I can imagine. But what is he playing in the car? Was he got What is he? Well, Exactly. Tape players. <laughs> he, he's got a, a Bluetooth speaker. And so he handed me his phone. He said, Dad, pick something, play something. Oh, nice. The thing that came up from his playlist was Jocko Pastorius. So I went, Okay, oh, let's do that. So uh, just an hour ago, I was listening to Jocko. And uh, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So eclectic, right? You got to keep an yeah, open very mind. Nice. Yeah, to, very nice. Very nice. What know, about right? from the 70s? What about for, you got any favorite musicians from the 70s? Well, like, were you a Bee Gees guy or I was well, of course I played Bee Gees, but only reluctantly. Yeah. I mean, no, I shouldn't say reluctantly. Bee Gees were awesome, but uh, a little too commercial for me, a little too syrupy, but very musical, no yeah. question. 
Yeah. I was more of a Steely Dan guy. Okay. Okay. Like if you listen to the old 1970s Steely Dan albums. Yeah. 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 They are still phenomenal. They've yeah. stood the test of time. Just phenomenal music. Right. Yeah. Um, I used to listen to when I like way back, you know, when I was in high school, I was into the jazz rock fusion groups like yes and gentle and genesis and gentle giant okay yeah 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 uh, and they haven't really stood the test of time quite as well but yeah, uh, yeah steely dan is phenomenal yeah, yeah steely dan geez there's another blast from the past wow yeah, steely, okay. dan. steely dan uh what about a movie movie a series books or books i know you got books to recommend well, I've recommended one book, movies. I don't know. My son is the film critic. So I, you okay. know, I'm a bit of a fair weather film. So we just had the Oscars last week. Yeah. And so I try and watch all the nominations for best picture. Yeah. Um, right. So have you seen the Banshees of Inishirin? No, I don't watch many movies. I'll confess. Oh, man. What a <laughs> phenomenal film. You got to check that out. Okay. Uh, you know, and then uh, what's the other one? The one at one, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, you know, interesting. I don't think it should have won, but uh, anyway. Okay. I, movies, I mean, again, it's like, I'm a bit of a fair weather movie. So I kind of go to what are some of the best, I let other people curate for me. Like what are the best, yeah, yeah, movies, yeah. you know, historically, and I'll try and watch those, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I'll sit down and watch something from the forties or fifties and, or whatever. I'm not, I yeah. have to say, I, I, I have less and less appetite for uh, blood and gore. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you found this, but as soon as I became a parent, I, yeah. which of course was a long time ago, I suddenly lost my appetite for really terrible, horrific imagery. Oh, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. It just, yeah, yeah. No, sorry. I yeah, that's just yeah. a little too scary. And it's, for and it's way over the top, and it's, it's yeah. over the top. I just yeah. So I, you know, I try to, and my wife won't have any of it. So I'd be sitting okay. there watching it alone. So, <laughs> <laughs> what about books, Jim? What What do you recommend on the book on the book front? You want me to turn Maybe. around? And look at the bookshelf here, do you? Maybe like all, all time. You got you got like some all time favorites or ones that you've read over numerous times or. Well, of course. You know, we're talking about entrepreneurship and yeah. uh, what, you know, what one book, there's so many, but what one book should you start with? Everyone should read The E-Myth, right? Okay, I've never read that. Michael Gerber's The E-Myth. Okay. Uh, it's an easy read. It's now in like its sixth or seventh edition. Uh, okay. But it still is, it's timeless advice. And uh, every person who's thinking about starting a business should read the e-myth because okay the e-myth stands for the entrepreneurial myth right okay i see i see you, you think it's going to be one thing you think it's going to be all you know sunshines and rainbows and everyone's going to love you and you're going to be a millionaire yeah. uh, and the reality is something completely different so okay. uh, that's a book that you should read just in terms of like i've come to a place in my life now where I'm reading some stuff that's a little bit out there. And I got to tell you, one of the most amazing books I have read in recent years is by a gentleman named Noah Uville Harari. 
And the okay. book is called 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. Okay. Unbelievable book. Uh, wow, okay. It is, it, it for me, it was mind-blowing. Like I just... Uh, In terms just, of the lessons. Yeah, it's just life lessons, right? Okay. And this this guy is is fiercely intelligent and fiercely observant as to yeah. how the world works and how politics works and how business works and how media works and yeah, interesting it, it's broken into 21 chapters each one is a lesson and it's just phenomenal anyway that's my that's my recommendation for today <laughs> okay okay very good very good what about food you're going out to, jim's going out to a restaurant with his again paul it's the same thing i Favorite. love yeah. everything as long as it's <laughs> good quality Okay, I mean, listen, listen, you're going out for a special dinner with your wife. Where are you going? Uh, I mean, is there so a type of food or a specific restaurant or? I like good food. So, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's what what nationality of food it is. I mean, I, I have a, a bit of a, a lean towards Italian. Okay. Uh, you know, my wife's family is there's an Italian contingent. Her parents are. Her, her her mom is Italian and her dad is Irish. So Oh, very nice. Very nice. You can imagine what their wedding was like. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I like Italian food, but I like any good food. And there are any number. Again, I go yeah. to, it's like movies or it's like music. Yeah. I go to people who know and I say, what are you listening to? Or what yeah, yeah. Where are you eating? Have you got a yeah. recommendation for, oh, you got to try this restaurant. It's awesome. It's the yeah, you know, nice. yeah. from over there and he's come over here and, oh, you got to try the la la la. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, and people say, you know, some people, they find something they like, like they, they have a holiday place that they go to and they yeah. had a good time. So they go back every year to the same place. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, I mean, and that's fine, but yeah. kill me now. Like I don't want to do that. <laughs> Sure, I had a great time, but there's lots of other cool things out there too. I want to go try <laughs> other stuff, right? So I very rarely go to the same restaurant twice, even though I may have had an amazing meal. I'm always okay. looking for the next incredible meal. That's um, interesting. interesting. And I'm trying to think of the last, like a, we, my wife and I flew to Romania for Christmas, believe that yeah. or not. Yeah. And uh, who would have thought that, you know, a former Eastern Bloc country would have some of the best restaurants. Uh, we had okay. two weeks and we had, we must have had eight or 10 phenomenal meals and wow. like just top notch and not expensive. Like I was shocked. The most, okay. we, we were, uh, there were five of us. Yeah. So my son, my daughter, and my daughter's boyfriend, my wife yeah. and I. Yeah. And the most expensive meal we had was the equivalent of about $350 Canadian. Wow. That meal for five people in a restaurant in downtown Ottawa of the similar caliber would be easily 1200 bucks. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, uh, phenomenal food. Yeah. Crazy. Very nice. Hey. Very nice. Okay. What about social media? You got to, do you have a favorite platform or channel or? Oh, Paul, you're talking to a guy who's going to be 64. <laughs> and Come on, I Jim, have, you're with it. You're with I, it. You're on all I the channels. I'm not qualified to talk about this. So, no, but you, you, do you have, do you have one that you gravitate to more than others or that you prefer over the others? Yeah. Let me start by saying this. Yeah. 
I am starting to tire of social media. And I think a lot of people are. Yeah. I'm starting to notice it's becoming annoying to me. It used to be that you had to avoid clicking on something because then all you'd see is that thing. So if you clicked on a cat, yeah. all you yeah. see is freaking cats for the rest of the day, right? <laughs> now, you don't even have to click on it. You yeah. just have to pause and read yeah. it for a few seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then it shows up everywhere. On, yeah. you know, if you it shows up on YouTube, it shows yeah. up very it, sensitive it, algorithm, you know. <laughs> oh. So I'm getting tired of them deciding that I like certain things. And sometimes the it, it the algorithm gets it totally wrong. It sends me ads for cat litter. Yeah. And I think yeah. I am the last guy on the planet who's going to buy cat litter. How stupid is this algorithm that it thinks I want to buy cat litter? Anyway, I have to say I'm getting tired. And of course, social media is a huge waste of time. It's just huge. Time is your most valuable asset. Why are you spending it looking at cat videos? Like, yes. just yes. stop. Just go yes. do something better. This is why TikTok is one... Never mind that the world is suddenly realizing that it, it is a complete in, invasion of privacy and it, yeah. could, it can manipulate our, our behavior all by the Chinese government. I, I've known this for a long time, long before it's been in the news, which it has recently. Yeah. Um, you know, government's banning it. Um, yeah. I just refused to do TikTok. I thought, no, I'm drawing the line in the proverbial sand. I yeah. don't get involved in TikTok. It's just too much of a time waster. Yeah. Um, so when I, so when I do social media, I like, I'll do, uh, I, Facebook used to be my go-to, but it was, it was, I, I would set it up. I would follow all the major news feeds. So like the New York times, oh, okay. okay, the, uh, you know, the, uh, Toronto, uh, the globe and mail. And yeah. so these, uh, feeds would come up with articles of interest and that okay. was kind of like reading multiple newspapers, um, every day. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, occasionally something from a friend would come up and I would comment on it and whatnot, but it's the rabbit holes in social media are very dangerous. You can go down rabbit yes. hole. You can yeah. just very waste true. so much time. So I'm not, well, sorry, go ahead. But no, just, just to that point though, with the rabbit holes and, you know, I, I was going to mention this earlier. That's why I've, I've, I've waited with the saying it when you, when you spoke earlier about uh, providing value to people, to the people that are out there in business, provide, provide value to people. You know, if there was working in social media myself, if all of these channels, I doubt they're listening, could fix the channel so that they could filter out all of these posts that provide absolutely no value, it would be a much better place. And I say this continually to people, especially to clients. There's no need to post something that provides no value because you're asking someone to your point to spend some time on your content, make it worth their time. They don't need to know that you went to the store and you're not happy with the price of, of beef. Got nothing to do with them. You know what I mean? And, and I, I just, to your point, I think there is a saturation and you can go down those rabbit holes and waste a lot of time. And there's, there's a lot, a lot of problems with social media. So I, well, I, I, I it, it's it. well known how addictive it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 
it, there's a whole generation of people who are completely addicted to their phones. You see it. Yeah. They're addicted you, scrollers. They just scroll exactly. through like mindlessly. You, you see it all the time. Like, you know, you go to yeah. the gym and I'm, I'm trying to get on a machine at the gym and some kid is sitting there, kid, you know, he's 25 yeah. and yeah. he, you know, he'll, he'll do uh, 10 reps on the machine and then sit there for five minutes on his phone. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, so, true. so addictive. It's unbelievable. I, yeah. anyway, I, you know, I don't want to sound like an old fogey, but I, I do think, <laughs> I do think there are perils and we need to limit our, our screen time and get out there. Yeah. Go oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, have you heard of the term forest bathing? No. What is that? You know, it's just like, it sounds go for a walk in the woods. In the woods, yeah, yeah, fair, yeah, fair, yeah, fair enough. Bathe, yeah. bathe in the forest, and it is yeah. incredibly therapeutic. And by the way, yeah. leave your phone at home. Yeah, leave your phone at home, exactly. Just go and talk to the tree, yeah. and yeah. It, it's life-altering. And just sadly, a whole generation of people don't appreciate that. Yeah, and, yeah, anyway. very true, very true. Do, do you have a business, Jim, you, you want to give a shout-out to? You mean uh you mean uh, somebody else's business yeah yeah go for oh. it oh well that wouldn't be fair what's that uh, that wouldn't be fair if i chose one of my clients that wouldn't i guess like i can't tell you who they are anyway for con confidentiality <laughs> that's not fair paul because i'm so i have so <laughs> many clients who are doing so many cool things and i can't <laughs> tell you about them <laughs> You'll have to just stay tuned and maybe right. after uh, fair enough. Fire, I'll fair tell enough. everybody who these really cool, successful clients were. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. A a anybody, I know you, uh, social media is not your, your favorite place to be. Do you have anybody there that you would recommend for others to follow? Well, so let me back up. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to <laughs> tire of social media that doesn't mean I don't spend six hours a day <laughs> on social media. I'm as addicted as the next guy. And so I waste so much. Well, I, I say waste, but I'm hopefully reading. You know, I, I, I said earlier, I, I read a lot and I, 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 I read articles on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I have a ton of fun connecting an article with a client or with a friend or with, uh, you know, business associates who I, I know oh, nice, nice. interested in this article. So I'll send it to them. And that causes conversations. It gets them engaged and we have fun. Okay. Right? Okay. So nice. I use, I use Facebook messenger a lot for that reason. I'll, I'll forward an article to a friend uh, or, you know, something of interest that I think they might like or learn something, or I'll say like, uh, you know, I, I'm a bit of a real estate investor and so I have uh, my real estate agent, my go-to guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'll see an article in the citizen on the state of the market in Ottawa right now and where they think it's going. And I'll fire it off to him and I'll say, Joe, what do you think about this? Just to yeah. get yeah. on it. Right. So nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. Anyway, does that answer your question? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When people hear the name Jim Cummings, what do you hope they will say? <laughs> Other than he should be in jail. 
Ah, what do I hope they say? You know, this is really uncomfortable because I don't spend any time thinking about what other people think about me. I guess maybe I should, but I don't worry about it. Let's put it that way. I don't worry about criticism because I always set out to do the right thing. I'm the kind of guy who, if I find a wallet with money in it, I take great pleasure in bringing it back and, and hand delivering it to the person's house where oh, nice. Nice. You know, it was lost. That, that's the kind of taught my kids to be like that. Like always do the right thing, even when people aren't looking. Yeah, so, good point. Yeah, well said, Jim. I would hope that people will say he was a good guy. You know, he really enjoyed life and really yeah. enjoyed helping other people enjoy their lives. That's very that's nice. what I hope, that's what I hope they would say about me. Very nice. That's that's very well said. Very well said. And we just, my wife and I were in Scotland uh, just a few months ago, and uh, she, she got me a, a, I guess it was our anniversary. It was our wedding anniversary. And she picked up a card in a shop and she gave it to me. And it said, your name bad. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to understand. And the Scottish accent to get that. You're not bad. It means you're not bad. <laughs> you're not bad. <laughs> I guess I'll keep you. <laughs> oh, so that is awesome. I would hope people say that he's nay bad. <laughs> he's nay bad. <laughs> oh, that's that that is excellent. That is excellent. Jim, I uh I thank you for uh, for sharing your your wisdom here with us here and uh, and and with the audience. Uh, oh, this has been this has been tremendous. Thank, no, the, it's all. I, I thank you for having me. This has been great. I I so rarely get to talk about myself. I say, <laughs> I'm just I hope I yeah. Anyway, I'm not used to it at all. I don't. Yeah, uh, no, it was great. I think it was I great. Don't necessarily yeah. talk about myself, but anyway, no, thanks but for the opportunity. A... I really appreciate it. No, and thank you. And listen, if uh, you know, if if those of you that that want to hear more of Jim, uh, please uh, do tune in to the Business Tune-Up podcast uh, with Jim Cummings and uh, Candy Sexton. That 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 you'd definitely be well served there. And uh, and we look forward to to seeing your success with uh, the Inside Track uh, Business Coaching Jim in Skyline, Ottawa. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and all the best uh, through the rest of uh, the rest of the year here. Thank you so much, Paul, and the same to you, man. Yep. Okay, cheers. For those of you in the audience looking for additional information about our guest today, Jim Cummings, you can find Jim on the web at www.insidetrackcoaching.com. That's www.insidetrack c-o-a-c-h-i-n-g dot c-o-m he can also be reached by email jim at insidetrackcoaching.com by telephone 613-797-8350 that's 613-797-8350 
And you can also find him on social media, Facebook, Inside Track Coaching, Instagram, Inside Track Coaching, Twitter, underscore Get There Faster, or on LinkedIn. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. We truly hope you found something of value in the show that you can use in your business or personal life. Please remember to like and subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite player. Thank you.